I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome back to the SLC Punk Podcast. This is your host, James Hansen. I'm joined today by Calvin and Jason for our SLC Dunk Chat. Today, we're going to be talking about round two. The Utah Jazz took care of business with the Memphis Grizzlies. After today, we now know who our round two matchup is. It really feels like this is where the rubber meets the road, and we're actually getting our... The Jazz are getting their first real big test. Uh, but anyways, welcome, Calvin. Welcome, Jason. Yeah, thanks. It's exciting. We've been waiting. I think most people have been expecting this series to happen since the Clippers got their team together. So this is exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, I, it's been I, a long wait since game five. So I'm really excited. Looking forward to finally getting more Jazz basketball. Oh, me too. I agree. Well, and kind of going off what you just said, the Jazz, I mean, I think the biggest question mark for the jazz in this series, I mean, besides, and we can talk about what you do with Kawhi, but that's one of the biggest things, but also just Mike Conley. I've been Googling uh, minor hamstring injuries today. I've been searching the web to see if anyone has any sort of news or notes with, with Mike Conley and there's nothing out there. And I think the big question mark for Utah is, is Conley Uh, at the end of the game. I, you know, there, Mike Conley spoke with the media, which was a good sign. I think uh, Tony Jones made a good point when he said that if it was a really bad injury, they might not have had him speak. And because the Jazz are notoriously kind of tight-lipped about things and injuries especially, they, you know, them having Mike Conley speak meant that they're probably not too worried about it. But it's enough that, you know, Jazz fans have been failing anxiety. Do you guys think that – I mean, I guess what's, what's your guys's, uh take on the Mike Conley injury do you think he's going to be okay do you think it's is it something that we should be worried about it's one of those things where it feels like he's just on thin ice where you're going along and it feels like everything's perfect and he'll probably play decently and then just randomly you know kind of like in game five where you didn't feel like it was an issue but then all of a sudden he just goes out and he's gone and that may be the case here he'll be he'll be you know putting up a great game and then all of a sudden hamstring goes and you know that could be his season uh depending on how bad it is so obviously i'm I'm not a doctor or any medical expert so you just kind of got to go based on what people are saying which can be kind of hard to draw conclusions from yeah the uh the part that's making me a little optimistic is conley's quotes himself on the injury because he what was it that he said that this one doesn't hurt as bad as last time which kept him out for a few weeks which is obviously a good thing. And it, it is interesting, though, that the Jazz, they've never like put an actual name to it. They've just said right hamstring soreness all through the season, but this time they actually said a minor hamstring strain. I don't know if that's a better or worse thing, but uh, it seems like it might be a little different. Hopefully what, what Mike's saying is that this one's just not as bad as the last ones. Yeah, and I, I guess, and I kind of agree with both of you, and I, I think, you know, 
Mike's quotes are, we know that Mike is a warrior and Mike's going to go out there if he can. We've seen Mike in the past get like, you know, he has that those famous photos where he has that bruised up face and the mask and he's mm-hmm. played through all sorts of different things. So Mike is tough and Mike will play unless he absolutely can't. I, I do think that one thing we're, we're going to see is the Jazz probably need to try to hide him a tiny bit if they can on the defensive end. It feels like it feels like Mike had some really big moments guarding John Morant. And I wonder if chasing around John Morant really, you know, put that strain on him that, you know, might've, might've caused it a little bit. And so I wonder if, if they can hide Mike Conley a little bit, especially if you've got someone like Patrick Beverly on the floor, who's kind of more of just a jump shooter. If you can kind of keep Conley on him and obviously you're going to have Royce O'Neal guarding a mix of, of Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George, but I think the jazz, if they can just kind of keep him, if they can kind of concede a little bit of, of points to someone like Patrick Beverly or someone like that. And hopefully you can just kind of do what Jerry Sloan did with John Stockton back in the day and kind of find ways to manage his time so that he's not too much strain, but he's also impacting the game. Cause I think one thing we've seen in these last few days is when Mike Conley's on the on the floor and both him and Donovan Mitchell are playing well together, the Jazz are really, really good. Uh, Mike Conley's assist numbers are just phenomenal, and he's just really found his perfect niche within this offense playing next to Donovan Mitchell. And so I, I, I don't know. I mean, to, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like Mike Conley's kind of essential to this Jazz team being able to beat this Clippers team. Because we've seen these last two games, what the Clippers can do when they really, when they really turn it on. Absolutely, Mike Mike Conley is going to be super important. Because if you remember the games the Jazz have played against the Clippers over the last couple of years, the Jazz have done really well. They've won most of these games. I'd have to look up the exact record, but they've they've done really well. But this last one, um, the Clippers tried something different and they put out a different lineup and they uh, they just hounded Donovan Mitchell. They'd have. Uh, Beverly just chase him everywhere and get under his skin and not give him any space. And Mitchell had a rough game and it kind of threw off our entire offense. And so if, if we can have Mike Conley out there able to give Donovan some relief and let the two of them be kind of the two headed monster that leads the attack that can completely counteract that their strategy. But if he's not good to go, that could be, it could be hard for Donovan to carry the entire offensive load. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really hard for Donovan for a for a seven game series or you know it's as long as seven game series to carry the offense and you mentioned Mike Conley, but also his his pairing with Rudy Gobert, the minutes with him and Gobert, just the way that Conley is able to control the defense and he just slices the defense apart and then he either gets a layup or he tosses an effortless you know alley oop to Rudy Gobert, and you can get so many points in that. Those are things you can do to counter those runs to the that the Clippers might go on. Is you just get solid easy points out of those pick and rolls with Rudy Gobert. So if Mike Conley's out there and able to do that a lot, then that's enormous, especially because they can do that with Conley, Gobert, and then a bunch of bench guys. And that's getting you solid minutes uh, for a lot of the game. One thing that got me really excited. So I wrote a thing about um, Donovan Mitchell last week, but it's interesting when you start deep diving in some of the numbers with some of the players, you, you kind of, you see the story that another player is telling. And one of the things I realized when I was trying to show how much Donovan Mitchell moves the ball, which he does, Donovan Mitchell has like eight potential assists per game right now, which is number two on the team. Mike Conley does 
about 16 and a half uh, potential assists per game where it's like wow. if the player makes the shot, that's an assist for Conley, which is kind of wild. And he's also the guy that actually passes the ball more than anyone else on the team. So the thing that's really nice about Mike Conley, that what that info tells me is that when Mike Conley's on the floor, the ball is just moving, you know, and the Jazz have that blender going. They're finding the best shot and they're getting good shots. And it's why, you know, when Donovan and Mike were on the floor together, it's why they just kind of blew the doors off the Grizzlies. I mean, they didn't one of those games. They had like an upper 40s three point shooting game. But I think like the last two, they were in like the mid 30s. It wasn't even super high three point shooting. It's just that ball moves when the Jazz are on the floor. And Mike Conley is a big part of that. And like you said, that that Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley pick and roll is pretty lethal. I, I like, you know, that first year Mike Conley was on the Jazz, it felt like that was the thing that he needed to figure out was how to run that with Gobert. And he's definitely figured that out because he's averaging 10 assists per game, I believe, in this playoff so far. And Rudy Gobert is benefiting from that. But also Utah's three-point shooters. Uh, and that's, you know, that's... And maybe we can talk about matchups now a little bit. That's one of the things that gets me kind of excited about Utah's ability to play the Clippers because the Clippers have two great wing defenders. That's just undeniable. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are as good a tandem of wing defenders in the league, if not the best. Uh, but because the Jazz move the ball so much, they still probably have a chance to really take advantage and find open shots. Um Royce O'Neal to me is like one of those X factors for this series, because if Royce O'Neal can continually hit threes at the rate he was against the Grizzlies, uh, to me, the Jazz are almost unguardable because if you're, you know, locking down Donovan Mitchell as you, you know, as the number one threat, and then you're focusing on number two, Mike Conley, number three, Bogdanovich, at some point, someone's going to be open and that's typically going to be Royce O'Neal. And if he's burying those open threes, it's kind of like, the Jazz become just absolute offensive juggernaut to me. They just they just have so many weapons, and then you just take into account Rudy Gobert rolling at the rim. I I think you know I know that the Clippers are going to be really tough, and I'm not like guaranteeing a Jazz win, but I think the Jazz are going to be able to play against really anyone left in the playoffs. This might be their biggest test, to be honest. I think an interesting thing with the Jazz going against the Clippers' defense is that. Now you have George and Kawhi who are known for being decent perimeter defenders, even great um, in, in case of Kawhi winning a defensive player of the year. Uh, Utah's point of attack isn't really at the forward positions where those guys are playing. Those guys are, you know, small forwards or shooting guards or kind of power forwards. I'm, I'm not sure where Paul George plays most of his minutes, but Utah's point of attack tends to be with the guards with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell and are, you know, six, eight, six, seven, forwards going to be able to keep up as much with you know the six one six three guards that the jazz have and it kind of goes both ways where the clippers you know how are the jazz going to stop Kawhi and paul george it's kind of a two-way mismatch um mm -hmm. in terms of positions and point of attack so it'll be interesting to see who kind of wins that um wins that mismatch yeah, James, you mentioned Royce. I think he's going to be a huge key to the series. You were talking about his offense. His defense is going to be super important. Um, I was just seeing on Twitter, you can credit uh, at NBA underscore Jeremy one. He he looked up these uh, tracking stats from NBA.com. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined over the last two years, so since they've been on the Clippers, when they've been guarded by Royce O'Neal, 
They have 36 points on 13 of 48 shooting, 5 for 21 from 3, a 35% true shooting percentage. So Royce has done super well as their primary defender. I Obviously, we won't expect that kind of a performance for a whole series because, you know, Kawhi Leonard, he just in his this series they just finished today, he scored 32 points a game on 61% from the field, 42% from three. So it's we're not going to expect Royce to be able to keep him to 11 of 35 like he's done in the past. But if he can just get him down to around like something just reasonable, you know, get it, get him to, to struggle a little bit, have a hard time to making those shots like, like Dallas could not do to him, then that could be huge because so much of their offense is dependent on Kawhi and Paul George and even other guys like Marcus Morris hitting some tough shots. If we can just keep making those even tougher and get them to miss a few of those shots, that can that can completely change the series. Well, and it makes sense because, you know, Royce and we all I mean, Royce really is our best perimeter defender. I I Royce is it makes sense that he would actually do pretty well against them because that's the type of player he's kind of built to guard. Uh Royce really struggles against like the quicker, smaller scoring guards like the right he couldn't guard murray but he can guard these guys exactly these guys aren't like these aren't the guys these guys aren't like murray that are quick and can kind of shed off um royce um like we've seen with other certain guards that just like damian lillard doesn't struggle too much with royce although Mm -hmm. you know there's it's weird royce sometimes it feels like he's on because sometimes it feels like he's a streaky shooter sometimes it feels like he's a streaky defender to me at times too and it's like there'll be times where he looks incredible and then there's times where you're just like royce what what was that but against like a Kawhi Leonard and a Paul George, I think it feels like it feels like Royce can use his strength a little more. Whereas when he's guarding, like you said, like a Jamal Murray, Royce Royce's strength is kind of negated. You know, his ability to kind of be physical with Kawhi. Um, I I feel like Royce actually can hold his own in the series. Like you said, I, no one's slowing down. Well, no one's stopping Kawhi, but I think right. Royce has shown he can at times slow him down. Uh, and they're going to try to switch Royce off of him. And so you're going to see a lot of, you're going to see a lot of Boyan moments guarding these guys. And Boyan's going to have to be at least an average defender, which I think he can. Um, but yeah, we're going to need, we're going to need a big series from Royce O'Neal. And I think Boyan's another player too. Like we need big nights from Boyan McDonavich. It's, you know, if, if, if Donovan Mitchell can keep moving the ball, like he has been, which has been a really exciting thing, actually, I think. I think in the last two games, Donovan had like 18 assists between the two. Uh, if if Donovan is moving that ball um, after kind of penetrating and getting to the hoop, and then you've got Royce and Boyan making shots, I mean, there's a lot to be. It's like you said, there. You know, the Jazz have. There's a lot to be worried about with the Clippers, but if you're the Clippers, there's a lot to worry about with Utah. And Utah has been playing just really good basketball. The Grizzlies were not a pushover, and the Jazz, when they had Donovan back, just looked unstoppable and so i i'm actually pretty excited i you know it's it's going to be interesting maybe after all this excitement we see the jazz have a game one like they did against the grizzlies and and it won't start out like we hope but i think utah has had enough time to kind of work out their kinks a little bit with donovan mitchell getting back and i think the rest does help a lot but i guess that's another question do you think the rest helps does it cause some rust what do you guys think that's that's the eternal argument: rest versus rust. Uh, we we like the rest for Mike Conley, but you know there there could be an aspect with the Clippers where maybe they're on a roll because 
you know, they lost the first two games of their series, but then they won four of five. You know, if, if you chop off the first two games, the Clippers did the same things to the Mavericks as we did to the Grizzlies. So, mm-hmm. you know, that could be an advantage for them. Kawhi is getting into his rhythm. Um, so we just kind of have to hope that the rest was good for Conley and also uh, Donovan Mitchell with his ankle. Um, just kind of hope that rest was good for them. And then you can uh, get right back into rhythm uh, in game one at home. Yeah, I think uh, with game one in the Grizzlies series, it's hard for me to uh, blame that on rust when I think the main issue was the whole Donovan Mitchell thing. So it, that's always, like you said, it's an eternal argument. We're ne- we're never really going to know, or maybe maybe someone's done some good research on it. I haven't seen yet, but I think hopefully it'll just be a good thing for us to get, like you guys, like Jason, you said, getting both Conley and Mitchell more healthy. That should be an advantage for us to have this game being on Tuesday rather than today if Dallas had won game six. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look. One of the things the Jazz really struggled with against the, against the Grizzlies was that they turned the ball over a lot. And I, I feel like, I don't know what, trying to look this up but i i don't know um how good the the clippers are with um with creating turnovers i know the grizzlies that's one of the best the things they're best at and the jazz struggle with it a little bit here and there boyan especially and and uh you know but when they kind of locked in they you know donovan mitchell came back and it really did kind of infuse them with confidence i really feel like donovan has taken things to another level one of the things i've noticed is like the Jazz looked like rudderless a little bit in that first game. They just looked like they didn't quite know who was going to take control at points, and it's part of why I just I just felt like that first game they just didn't they lost their identity when Donovan Mitchell was out. And I, when Donovan Mitchell came back, I know, you know, I know Rudy Gobert. People will argue who's the most important player and blah blah blah. But I really feel like when Donovan's on the floor, it really infuses this team with a lot of energy and and. Um, he brings kind of a leadership on the floor that they really need. And I just, you know, but on top of just that, I felt like Donovan Mitchell's play has been so good. His uh, playmaking has been just phenomenal. And his scoring in that final game was, I mean, Utah just blew the doors off of the Grizzlies that last game. But the other games, Donovan Mitchell was passing the ball. Mike Conley was just absolutely shredding the Grizzlies defense. And, you know, I know it's Luka Doncic and he's, you know, top 10, top five player, whatever. Uh, but the Jazz can replicate a lot of what they did because the Jazz have a lot more playmakers on the floor that can run a pick and roll. The Jazz know how to attack weaknesses on different teams and then exploit them. I think the Jazz can look at that series with the Mavericks and really kind of find some weaknesses in that in that Clipper defense. Um, one of them is that Serge Ibaka is not playing. And I think that was a that was kind of quietly a big deal for the Clippers against the Mavericks because their rim protection just wasn't as good. 
I don't, I just hope Serge Ibaka doesn't come back. <laughs> if he can stay off the floor, that would be really great. Uh, but we'll see. Um, but uh, I, I just think the Jazz have a lot of opportunities to shred the Clippers. Um, and, you know, the Clippers can sp- switch all they want, but it really feels like Utah's kind of figured out how to attack those switching defenses. And they can still take advantage. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned Ibaka. I think that's a huge key to the series is the uh, the big men on both of these teams because we know that the Jazz will be playing Gobert for heavy minutes, and then when he's not playing, Favors will be playing. And Favors had a really great series. He's he's looked great against Memphis, much better than he did throughout the regular season. And so then if the Clippers don't have Ibaka, or we, we don't know, last time he – he was listed as doubtful, so maybe he's close. But they'll, they've got Zubats, and then are they going to go small? Will they play Morris or you know who, whoever you want to say, Batum as their big guy? Because they've done that against the Jazz and seen some success. Are they going to play small or are they going to play big? Either way, the Jazz are going to have to figure it out because they're going to play big. And you know Dallas was doing it. They were starting Boban for much of the series, so... Um, they can see how they did it, but it's gonna be it's gonna be huge to see if the Jazz can figure out how to abuse the smaller players if they're trying to guard Gobert with a with a forward. How are they gonna be able to take advantage of it? I, I think a big aspect of that will be if Rudy can get a lot of good offensive rebounds because Boban was making the Clippers look like children at times with just getting offensive exactly. rebound after, after offensive rebound. Um, I, I don't know how in the in the end how efficient that was. I'd have to go back and see if that really made an impact, but it certainly felt like it did, especially in the games where um, the Mavericks were winning is they'd get those extra chances and Bobo was able to do just whatever he wanted because the the guys he's going up against are 6'8 and whatnot. So if Gobert can can dominate those matchups, which sometimes he has, sometimes he hasn't uh, during the regular season, um, if he's able to get all those rebounds, then that's game over for the Clippers. You can't give the Jazz that many chances. Yeah, it's it's really important for the Jazz to get those offensive rebounds because they turn the ball over and they don't force turnovers. So if they want to have anywhere near the same amount of possessions as the Clippers, they're going to need to get offensive boards and not allow them to get offensive boards. That's our only way to get extra possessions. So that's going to be huge. And I think favors may may show up big time. He's going to I'm going to predict he's going to have one of those games where he just can't be stopped on the offensive glass and he's going to save us a game with that. I well, Favors is one of those guys that has really just taken it to another level in the playoffs. It really makes me feel like Derek, I wish at some point during the season you would let us know that you're kind of like go, going in cruise control <laughs> a tiny bit because I said a lot of nice things on Twitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been nice to know that you were, you know, you know, not using too much of your gas tank during the season. So it's nice to see that Favors is really going. Uh, speaking of, I was looking up on here. I'm on NBA.com, the stats page. So steals per game. Memphis is number two in the playoffs at eight. So they were stealing the ball from the Jazz a lot. Utah's actually 14 out of 16 at 5.2. The Clippers are number six. 6.9 steals per game. Uh, so... Th- Maybe the Jazz won't be turning the ball over quite as much. Uh, yeah. I, uh, oh, go ahead. I'll say I, I looked on cleaning the glass, and I've got it pulled up right now. The Clippers, um, according to them, were 18th in turnovers, like forced, like their turnover percentage they get. 
Um, uh-huh. Yeah, 18. So slightly below average. Um, uh-huh. So not great. Maybe they won't take advantage as much. Maybe I should look up what the Grizzlies were. It this is for like the regular the season. I'm not on cleaning the glass. I'm on NBA.com, but it looks like the Clippers are pretty good about not turning it over. But the interesting thing about that is Utah's one of the worst in terms of creating turnovers. The Jazz just don't. Yeah, yeah I was saying that the Clippers' defense is below average in creating turnovers. So the Jazz are 30th. They're dead last. And the Clippers are 18th. <laughs> so these are two teams that don't really force a lot of turnovers. Um, the Grizzlies, for reference, in the regular season were seventh best at creating turnovers. Yeah, this may be a series that's just going to be played in the half court because both of these teams are just half court teams. The The Jazz have the best half court defense in the league, whereas the Clippers have the second best offensive uh, half court offense in the league. So it's it's going to be elite half court offense versus an elite half court defense. And neither of them, like we're saying, are getting a lot of forcing a lot of turnovers so it's mostly going to be played slowly most likely oh yeah it's going to be a very like grinded out and you know i don't I'm, I can't look, I'm not seeing it right here but there's just the the transition it's just not going to be a fast i mean it's going to be just who is really executing and who is taking advantages of this it's going to be a very like chess match type series actually when you kind of look at the way they both play Kawhi doesn't like to go out and run and run and run and Utah doesn't really run a lot either. Uh, so inter- yeah, this it's going to be a nail biter. I, th- I think we're going to have a lot of close games. Um, you're going to have, and you know, who knows, maybe the jazz will surprise us and just like have an incredible three point shooting series. But uh, let's see three point percentage. Uh, Utah's number four in the playoffs at 40% from three. Uh, the Clippers are seventh at 37 or no let's see 37 percent for the clippers so both you know the thing is is if you're looking for little advantages this is you know i was on twitter and people are starting to already get kind of nervous and and uh you know i would have rather had dallas and i think you do probably prefer dallas uh luka Doncic is a problem for everyone um but you know, this this is what happens. You're in the second round. You're just going to end up playing good teams. If it wasn't uh, the Clippers, it was going to be someone else. And there's going to be problems with every team. And at this point, you're pretty evenly matched. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's probably the best player in the series. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. But I don't think Paul George is much better player than, if if at all, than Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell might be the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert might be the number two and three, whichever you pick, and then maybe Paul George. Like, and so I, I don't, I think this is a pretty evenly matched series. Those four guys right there are, are you know, you can toss it up however you want between two, three, and four, but then you start going and looking at player five and six and seven, and Utah has a lot of those guys. Mike Conley is probably the fifth best guy in the <laughs> series, uh, and then you can argue Boyan Bogdanovich or. You know, on the Clippers, there's there's not a ton of guys outside of Kawhi and Paul George that really scare me. I know Jackson's had some good games, and he's had some some nights where he's shot it pretty well. But Patrick Beverly has been someone that's caused Utah issues before with guarding Donovan Mitchell. And so, I don't know. There's going to be some mismatches that I think Utah's going to be able to take advantage. And I hope Quinn Snyder's able to kind of find those and take advantage like he did against the Grizzlies. Is there anyone you think the jazz can really pick on? Like 
who's the Michael Porter Jr. of the Clippers that the Jazz can really attack and focus on? Oh, I think that's got to be Reggie Jackson. If Donovan Mitchell, if they're switching everything, I want Donovan to be hunting Jackson every time he can. I, I don't think he's going to be able to stay in front of him. I think he'll get in foul trouble. Also, Beverly, if Donovan can play smart like he's done against Dylan Brooks with a super aggressive defender and just get him into foul trouble, those their switching defense can go from our weakness into our strength. If he's If he's able to play that smart, I think both of those guys can be exploited. I, I agree. I think I think Donovan is. I mean, there's so many different things that could, so many different keys. But Donovan in that series just looked like he was in complete control. And it, I yeah. don't know if it was the ankle, if he's playing, if he's still getting kind of in game shape. But it looked to me like Donovan was playing really kind of a slower, controlled game. Like he, it looked like he was really like he knew what he was going to do on every possession, and he just, I mean, he honestly toyed with with. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks was like, he had no shot at guarding Donovan. And it, I mean, he, and I know Dylan Brooks is bad at, you know, not fouling. And so Donovan knew that and took advantage. But I think, I think Dylan Brooks was good warm up for, like you said, like a, like a Jackson or, or Pat Beverly or, or any of these guys on the Clippers. The other guy I think that is kind of an X factor for the Jazz, if, if Jordan Clarkson has a really good series shooting the ball, I think the jazz win this in like five games because there's just, there's a point where the jazz have so many weapons and so many points of attack that if, if Jordan Clarkson's coming off the bench and shooting like 40 something percent from three, then the jazz are just extending leagues leads against the, the Clipper bench. And I just, I, I don't know if he has a really good series, it makes the jazz almost unfair. Is there anyone like that that you guys think? could be the difference. It, it, it probably is Clarkson. You could also maybe put in Joe Ingles as uh, another guy, but I think Clarkson specifically works because he was the one who had kind of a, a, a mediocre below average. Um, he's kind of been on a, on a downturn since the kind of the end of the regular season. Yeah. I'm trying to look up what his shooting percentages were and they weren't, they weren't great. Oh, they definitely, they definitely down downturned. Yeah, so like forty percent overall, twenty three point eight. This is just the postseason, and the Jazz won that in five games. So like, if he you know turns up to like forty five and thirty five, something to that effect, then yeah, that that just becomes unfair. Because uh, just like you said, you know the starters might battle it out to maybe even maybe the Jazz get an advantage, and then Clarkson comes out and he puts up like twelve points at the end of a first quarter or something like that, just goes off, then suddenly the Jazz are up seven or eight when the starters come back in. That's just a huge advantage. If the Clippers keep having to come back from that, that's more and more energy exerted by the starters and more that they would have to outplay the Jazz stars, which, like we said, it's kind of an even matchup. So expecting the starters to be that much better, um, that's not something the Clippers can count on night in and night out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Clarkson and Ingles are definitely those two because it's really you look at the minutes that the the rotation that Quinn Snyder played in the playoffs. He didn't add more minutes to our stars. He didn't give Mitchell or Conley or Gobert more minutes. Really, it was pretty. All of them were right around thirty to thirty-two. What changed was that the uh, that 
well, actually, you know, most of it stayed pretty much the same. He tried to keep it pretty even. The only other guys off the bench that are going to play serious minutes are Ingles and Clarkson, both going to be playing 25 to 30 minutes per game with favors and um, maybe Niang playing 15-ish. But Ingles, I mean, we, we've we all seen on Twitter that everyone's throwing out the, uh, the memes about him and Paul George, including myself, but we don't uh, – he didn't look like that kind of Joe Ingles in this last series. So is he going to be that Joe Ingles this time is, is a really big question because the Joe Ingles from that OKC series is a really, really good player. And he's, he's a danger to, to the opponent on both sides of the court. Cause he can really get into a player's head and then he can be hitting threes and dropping dimes on offense. And it, so if he gets his, his swagger and he gets his trash talk going and he's, he's making threes, that completely changes the feel of the game for the Jazz. I totally agree. I think those two, if if Ingles and Clarkson have a nice series, then Utah really, I mean, that that's where you, you know, Utah is just really great. And I, I don't know how much George Niang is going to play, but if, if he can just, you know, he's that, he's one of those guys that if the Jazz are going with a shorter rotation, you probably don't see Niang on the floor. But in the minutes that he's on the floor, if he's hitting threes as well, Utah, there's just not a lot of weaknesses to Utah. Utah, Utah doesn't have like beyond Royce O'Neal, a lot of wing defenders. I think Joe Ingles is getting a little older where he's not quite the same that he used to be. Uh, but, but because of Rudy Gobert and what he does at the rim, Utah can still just really cause a lot of havoc. I think, I think Kawhi's going to have a nice series. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a fun series to watch, to be honest. A lot of time, like you think, oh, Kawhi Leonard, he can do this, but then you, there are things Utah can do with the Clippers. I think, I think Utah can scheme with the Clippers a little bit better than they could with other certain teams. Like the Suns actually kind of scare me a tiny bit more than the Clippers do, uh, because I feel like there are things the Jazz can do with the Clippers and and match up with them pretty well. Well, guys, thank you for going on. And did anyone else have anything they wanted to add as a final? Uh, I guess prediction for this series. I guess that's how we can end it. What do you guys predict for this series uh, against the Jazz and the Clippers? So I think um, I'd probably predict Jazz and six. If they get some really good performances, they could push to five, but I'll say six just because you can't count out the talents of the Clippers. But I think it's very possible the Clippers could come out and maybe punch the Jazz in the mouth and then the Jazz just outlast them. Because something that... Mm -hmm. I just kind of want to point out is that how much the Clippers have already had to work in these playoffs and the jazz haven't even really put the pedal to the metal yet. Donovan Mitchell has one game where he's played more than 30 minutes and like Rudy Gobert is averaging like barely 30 minutes. Mike Conley as well. They haven't pushed their playoff rotations yet. You know, in last year's first round, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell averaged 40 minutes a game. If you exclude the blowout game. So when Utah really puts it to the metal, then they could just, you know, they can do just about whatever they want. So I, I think the Jazz, they're the better team, and I think they'll come out on top. Even if the Clippers start out strong, they'll kind of fade in the end as they get more and more tired against a relatively fresh Utah Jazz team. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I'm going to go Jazz in seven. We may be homers. I don't know if we're all going to choose Jazz, but I, I think this game's going, this series is going seven regardless of uh, – the winner. I think uh, it's just two really good teams. The Clippers didn't have the same, their record wasn't right up there with the Jazz, but they had a really high net rating. They were 
and they they had streaks where they were just really really good and i think i think this is kind of going to be a clash of two teams that are similar in a few ways and it's going to be it, it's i think it's going to be a close games throughout i think the uh in the end donovan donovan mitchell is going to have a big series he's always done well against the clippers he's averaged 26 points a game against them for his whole career including rookie seasons and I just I don't think that they're going to have much of an answer for him, even though they have their own stars that we may not be able to stop. I think I think Donovan Mitchell is going to have a huge series and and really kind of show up on the big stage. I I kind of agree. I think the Jazz win in five. I think this is a series where all the people online and all the bloggers and all the people that don't watch a lot of jazz realize how good Rudy Gobert is. I think, you know, we talk about Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, but I think Rudy Gobert has a chance to just be a monster in this series. He's going to take away so much at the rim. And like you said, Rudy Rudy hasn't played huge minutes, uh, you know, and if Rudy is, if, if Quinn starts putting, and I hope he does, I hope Quinn plays him 36 to 40 minutes per game in this series. I think Utah can really give the Clippers some problems. They just... There's just not anyone on that team that really challenges Rudy too much. I know Zubox can probably play a little more against the Jazz than he did against the Mavericks because Rudy doesn't stretch the floor like like uh, Porzingis does. But at the same time, Zubox also, you know, was going to have to deal with someone who actually rim runs and who actually defends the rim and who actually rebounds, which, you know, the Mavericks just don't really have a big that does that. I mean, Boban is huge, but he's not a presence like Rudy Gobert is. And, and Porzingis is like the joke everyone's saying on – on Twitter, he's five foot 27. He just is not a big man. And so I, Rudy is just going to, I think cause a lot of havoc and he's going to, he's going to have some big plays in this series. And I think it's really kind of a coming out party for Rudy Gobert. And like you said, Donovan Mitchell too, but the jazz are really good. Like the thing that drives me nuts and I'll just end on this, I guess is the jazz didn't accidentally have the best record in the NBA. You know, you don't just, that doesn't just happen by accident. You know, it feels like everyone, like no one has Donovan Mitchell in all NBA. Uh, Rudy Gobert is going to be third team NBA and the jazz had the best record in the league. It's, it's kind of, it blows my mind a little bit how I, I, I don't know how people thought the jazz got the best record. I guess. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know, but I think what we're going to find out in this playoff series is that the jazz are legitimately, one of, if not the best team in the NBA. So that's my prediction. It's in five for the Jazz. Uh, well, guys, thank you for coming on. That was fun. I'm, I'm going to get this up on the site for all our readers. Guys, make sure if you are uh, if you haven't heard, listened to the podcast before, go subscribe to it on iTunes. Uh, we need to do this more regularly, but uh, you know what? We'll do it when we can. But what you can do is go subscribe to it when so when these comes out, come out, you can listen. Uh, Calvin, Jason, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.